0: Blog Talk Radio
1: Top Sports Radio Show, hosted by Robbie D, Big Mike, and Vinny the Shark.
2: And a happy Monday evening to everybody out there and thank you for tuning in to over the Top Sports Radio on Blog Talk Radio on Facebook Live as well and Robbie D, Big Mike, Benny the Shark with you. Goon in the house as well, putting the show together. We are here for the next hour from 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern time tonight talking all things sports. We want to talk it with you guys. So give us a call at 646 716 5403 646 716 5403 Or you can hit us up on our Twitter at OverTheTopSport. Send us in some questions and comments on Facebook, and we would love to go one-on-one with you guys with some sports talk. We want to hear from you guys how you think your favorite team did in the NFL draft. Give us a grade. Give us a reason why. Whether you call it in or send it in via social media, uh, we want to hear from you. We'll talk about it. We'll see uh, if we agree with you or disagree with you. Jets fans, uh, in about 15 minutes at 7:15, New York Daily News beat writer Manish Mehta is going to be joining us as well. So if you're a Jets fan, make sure you stay tuned in. He's going to break down all the doings of the New York Jets in the draft. And it was a big weekend for the draft uh, or for the Jets as well, getting their uh, franchise quarterback finally. Uh, with the third overall pick. So that's in about 15 minutes. But we open the show, guys, with some breaking news. And uh, that's that Corey Seager is out for the season. Uh, He's on the 10-day DL, but that's not just for 10 days. It'll eventually be the 60-day DL. Um, He's going to have Tommy John surgery, Mike. Um, A huge blow to fantasy owners and maybe an even bigger blow to the Dodgers, who seem right now like maybe this just isn't their season.
1: Yeah, that's a very good point, Rob. It also just seems like with Corey Seager, he just has a – a history and, a, you know, a, just keeps getting hurt, and he just can't stay on the field consistently. He missed some time last year. This injury is huge for them. This is a big bat in their lineup. In fantasy, this is a second-round pick, what you wasted on. It looks like now Chris Taylor will play shortstop in the meantime. One of their top prospects, Alex uh, Virgo, will go out in the outfield. He'll be consistent. He's Somebody to look you know, to pick up in 12-team leagues, but uh, this is devastating, and it's just how long before they called Baltimore Orioles and get Manny Machado, Rob, because If they want any sort of, uh, you know, go anywhere this season, they need a bat. Machado is not going to do anything in Baltimore. That team is, uh, you know, destined to lose 95 games this year. Um, They have the top prospects to do it. They have the money to do it. They have the money to re-sign him next year. Seems like a perfect fit. And, uh, I mean, I'm sure we'll hear rumblings coming up.
2: And to that point, John Heyman just tweeted out two minutes ago, the Dodgers were one of nine teams that made a realistic run at Machado uh, this past winter and spring. So, um, he's right on there with you. Uh, it's something that they've already looked at. If they looked at it already, you'd have to think they're going to go down that avenue again. They really have no choice if they want to compete this year. Without
1: a doubt, they got to be the number one suitors. they got to go all in for Machado, even if they can't re-sign him, considering this team went to the World Series last year and fell short. That's a popular demand city over there, L.A., and uh, they want to see the Dodgers back in the postseason. they got a four-long Clayton Kershaw team, and now one of their best bats in the lineup goes down. Not good. And, by the way, these bats haven't been too good all season long. The Dodgers have uh, not been putting up a lot of runs. Their batting averages aren't that good. Nobody's really producing over there. For an injury like Corey Seager to uh, happen to this team, it's pretty devastating. And yesterday you saw Dave Roberts took his best player, well, one of the best players out, because he didn't hustle for a triple. He benched uh, Cody Bellinger. The Dodgers are a mess right now, Rob, absolute mess. This is Arizona's division currently. If they want it, they can go get it. Uh, even the Rockies aren't playing that well. But um, it, there's a lot of trouble besides just this injury in Dodgers land.
2: And Arizona right now is playing light-top baseball, one of the best records in the and league. And you both had the under on them, may I add? It's early, but they look very good. I did not like them. And one of the reasons I didn't like them is I didn't think Frankie was going to do anything for them, and they're doing all this despite that. And it's really weird, too, and I don't want to go off the Dodgers point, but they're doing so well. And you got Patrick Corbin out there saying he wants to be a Yankee yeah. when they're playing so damn well. Bobby Ray just hit the DL. Mike, who doesn't want to be a Yankee? I don't. Well, it might not be Manny Machado, but I like what Roberts did. First of all, Roberts came out and said at the end of the year, when all said and done, we're going to win this division. He basically came out without guaranteeing it, guaranteed it, saying, hey, we're going to win this division anyway. And when you have a young guy like Cody Bellinger, you've got to bench him if he doesn't run it out. It's one game in 162. Uh, and that, we well, listen, Bobby Cox did that for Andrew Jones early in his career. And it never happened again with Andrew. And Andrew Bellinger, had a great career.
1: Bellinger hit a ball 421 feet and uh, didn't want to go to 30, he said because he didn't want to make the first out at third down three runs.
2: I have, but no he also admitted him. after the game that he didn't play. He didn't hustle the most. He right, said. he didn't go for the triple
1: because he didn't want to take a chance to make the third out on a single. He's got enough speed to score from uh, from second base. But if he ran his ass off from the start and oh. that made that decision, it's a different story. That yeah. was the problem here. Ugh. He's I mean fake an injury next. I like when managers do that because, you know what, let's see if he does it again. He probably won't now. he probably learn your lesson. I would with that lineup.
2: So do you think that it's worth mortgaging big pieces of your future, which the Dodgers have plenty of, to get a guy like Machado uh, when you're not guaranteed that he's going to stay there after this season?
1: I think you have to. Just because of Kershaw's age now, uh, you know, he's, what, 29, uh, 30 years old?
2: And also a free agent,
1: by probably the way. Probably 29. Turner will be back. Turner's not a, a young kid. Chris Taylor, you found gold in him. He's not a young kid. Yasiel Puig, uh, he's a joke. Cody okay. Bellinger is young. Um, Yasmati Grandal, uh, you know, the, the pieces just aren't going to be there for a long-term run, Rob. you know, if you find success now, you, you kind of have to go with it. Rich Hill, I mean, God, Rich Hill. Uh, Kent Maeda, uh, Ryu, uh, Alex Wood, you just, every time he goes out there, you don't know what you're going to get from him. So I do believe that if they want any sort of uh, – you know, you're going to make a run at this. It has to be now. The time is now. The window is now. It's going to be interesting where they're at at the trade deadline, whether if they're in it or not. If they're out of it, they're not going to, you know, go all in. They have a decent amount of prospects, like you mentioned. Uh, I think it actually pull this trade off from Machado. But is it worth it? Because odds are they're not going to bring him back, especially when they've actually had their uh, shortstop for a long time in Corey Seager. Well, like you both have said, though, money talks. You put Machado at third base. Maybe Seager belongs he at third He doesn't want to play third. So maybe Corey Seager, though, you know, he's a, a guy that keeps getting hurt at short. Maybe his long-term position is third base. Who knows? But they have the money to, to re-sign Machado long-term. Last, and that uh, bat would fit perfect.
2: That was a good stat. Last three seasons, with um, Corey Seager in the lineup, they're batting 15 points higher. Without him, they're under 500. And batting 2 uh, two thirty seven.
1: devastating. It's a huge. He's injury. a really
2: big part of that um, that team, but I don't think that they're going to be out of it. You said we'll see if they're in it. They're too good to be out of it because of one injury. Don't forget they're going to get back Justin Turner, um, and Kenley Jansen, who's been terrible for them, is going to find it. He's going to find his way, right? He's starting to. And the Turner thing is a good point, Robert. This is uh, Corey Seager scored close
1: to 100 runs last year. You know the home runs weren't uh, He didn't hit 30 home runs. I can tell you that. He didn't drive in 100 RBIs either. I can tell you that. But he scored over 100 runs, and that's just somebody in that, uh, the top of the lineup there that was just such a key piece, and you can't replace him with Chris Taylor, who can't hit a beach ball right now.
2: Hmm. Yeah, Chris Taylor, uh, definitely, yeah, 128 bats, and uh, he's batting 233. And so four home runs, 10 RBI. Off well, the and- top
1: of your head, is there anyone other than Machado that could get in to fill here? Um, that wouldn't be as, you know, crucial of a giveaway. Off the top of my head, no. I
2: I, I really. Um... Dude, could they get a guy when the Braves fall out of it like a Joey Bats, A guy like Joey Batista, Jose Batista, who's and gonna to put him at short? Well, they put him at third. You can't you can't Turner's
1: gonna be at third. Turner can't play yeah, short. I guess before they were a guy like Brian Cashman who could find these cheap little guys like DB Gregorius and turn them into monsters.
2: So take Andujar, who the Yankees are gonna send down. That's the big rumors that Andujar is going to go down this week. Yeah, I
1: don't know when why. When Brandon
2: Drury goes out there.
1: I don't know why. And Drury's not coming back till, uh he's definitely not making this Houston series. That's what Sherry's sure. saying. No, is probably there. by the
2: end of the week, though. But I why would they it. do
1: that? I will say a name to keep an eye on just as depth is uh, Espinosa. Danny Espinosa was just released from Toronto. He's bounced around already to a couple teams. But again, just a depth move. You call somebody up from AAA, you've got to replace there, even. So he's somebody that can play multiple positions, major league, uh, you know, bat. That's something to keep an eye on in the short term. But as far as long term goes, you know, nobody's out of it yet. Nobody's really selling. The the name is Machado because he's a pending free agent. And yeah. It's a big marketplace,
2: too. So. Right now, for the foreseeable future, it's going to be Chris Taylor. Uh, they brought up a kid, Valera. Yeah, you know this kind of thing that, about uh, no. Breivik Valera? He's going to be taking the open spot by uh seeker. Uh, that left uh, when he goes to the DL. Uh seven oh nine, about five, six minutes away from Anish Meta. Some uh, quick baseball notes, if we will. Then we'll uh, transition into some NFL. Uh. Yankees still haven't lost since, uh, I think, we a show.
1: That is nine now. Nine straight.
2: Nine straight wins. And they did it. And they're doing it on the road. And they're doing it against a good teams. They're doing it now in high-scoring games and low-scoring games. They are outscoring their opponents. What is it? 64-18 to 18, so, in their nine-game winning streak? That's a yeah, that pretty style game. A big part of that stat. That is, but the 17 runs, though, in the nine games, it's less than two runs a game. They're pitching, which is you know, been so great during this streak, is getting overlooked because of their offensive numbers, because of Didi, because of Andujar, uh, because Sanchez is back ready. Uh, everything is just starting to really work for the Yankees the way that a lot of people thought would before the season started. But they have now ran into
1: the team this series that could stop them all, the team that won the World Series last year, the team that knocked the Yankees out in seven games in the ALCS, the Houston Astros. They have the pitching matchups that favor them over our team. Tonight, it's Sonny Gray, and we all know how bad Sonny Gray's been, and somehow they've won in this nine-game win streak with his starts. But uh, tonight, he's going against Charlie Morton. That was the first game on the road. Aaron Judge not in the lineup. It should be a pretty good game if they could hit Charlie Morton. And I don't want to get off topic, Rob, but I did think of one name off the top of my head. Oh, that's, that's And I uh, could be Marcus Simeon out in Oakland just because that team could fall off. They have uh, Mateo, the prospect from the Yankees, plays short. They also have another shortstop, Franklin Barreto, um, who plays shortstop. Uh, you know, this is somebody that could be a, a 15, 15 guy. So uh, just another name to keep an eye on. And yeah, he's the, had a good year. Certainly. Right. Yeah, the answer can't be Chris Taylor. Let's just put it like that. <laughs> Maybe
2: uh, short term, but not
1: long term. Exactly. A uh, couple notes. We did hit on the NL West, so I just wanted to bring up to you, the Humidor is in full effect in Arizona. So I have some stats for you. through 12 games this year in uh, Chase Field in Arizona versus 12 te- uh, games last year, the first 12 games in Arizona. So uh, in 2018, Uh, We'll start here. Let's have you guys guess. 2017, they scored 12 runs per game on average at Chase Field. What do you guys think it is this year? Um, With the humidor, the balls in the humidor, nine. Rob?
2: Uh, Ten and a half.
1: 7.2. Okay. So it's certainly working. Uh, The hard hit rate is 34% uh, this year. It was 41% last year. So, again, working – Home runs through the first 12 games last year. It was 31 home runs in Chase Field, and this year it is 23. So they are getting everything that they wanted. Which is something you going.
2: called all winter. You was you were really big so on this all winter, keep an eye on, and, and you it's working it. out the way you thought Absolutely. it might.
1: Absolutely. And then the other
2: baseball – I don't right think
1: it's affected the fantasy numbers of these guys, though. The, Not yet. Everyone in that Diamondbacks lineup has pretty good fantasy rankings right now. I agree with you, Vinny, uh, especially Pollock, who's uh, – you know, as long as he's healthy, man, that's a, that's a stud – uh, Mike Trout is on pace for a 14.3 WAR, which is the highest ever since 1923 Babe Ruth. So quietly, we're not talking about it. No one's really talking about it. Mike Trout is putting together the best season statistically ever, and uh, he was having his best year ever last year until he got hurt. He it was. I mean, uh, it's expected on Mike Trout, but like we said, we still, even though he's won MVPs already. I still don't think we've seen the best of Mike Trout. He's showing it here. Hopefully he doesn't have a freak injury when he's like sliding into second like he had last year, which is such a shame. Mike Trout's such a great thing for baseball. He carries himself so well. He's definitely the face of baseball. And for somebody who um, plays this well and is in that L.A. market, I know it's not the Dodgers, it's the Angels. He deserves a lot more recognition
2: than he actually gets. And I know that they just got swept by the Yankees, but it's actually showing on the field this year in wins and losses for the Angels takeaway this weekend. I mean, the Shohei Otani got hurt with his ankle. He wasn't really around after the you know, home run on Friday night, didn't play Saturday or Sunday. Um, but now, I mean, they're at the top of the AOS right now, and they're playing really good baseball until the Yankees came in and kind of humbled them a little bit. But we always talked about it since we had Jeff Fletcher on. This is a team that needs – baseball needs this team in the spotlight. They need them to be competing for the AL crown. And, and right now, so far they're doing well. I don't know, he's never play seen them win. Oh, that's he right. got swept the one year he was in it.
1: That's right. That's right. Fletcher called us out on that. Yeah, I, I knew it was one of the two. He had never won a postseason so, game. So but he never won. But and yeah, still, that I means mean, three postseason games in what five years now? That's nothing. Let's get the guy in there and let's see what he could do. Obviously, we all want to see him win a World Series one day. I mean, hopefully, it's in the pinch stretch. So. And guys, the Angels are five and ten at home and eleven and two on the road. So wow. there's some sort of issue going on in L.A. right now. That's
2: also an aberration, too. You have to figure out they figure that they're going to get that home win, uh, home record. You know, up to par. And well, they got the destroyed
1: by the Red Sox and Yankees at home. Right, two top, and, uh, you know, Right, teams, those so. are the top two teams in the AL. You can say with Houston, um, and they lowered that wall. I guess it's not working for them. Their record illustrates it's not working for them. But well, that's, I mean, eleven and two on the road, and then five and ten in your own building.
2: That's it's hard uh, to make something of that too, yeah. because winning on the road is not easy. It's that's supposed a, to be the other way around.
1: Right, that's a problem. Well, honestly, they're. they're but it could be a good thing. Take uh, take six games away. The Red Sox and Yankees took three games each from them at
2: home. So outside of those two
1: guys, they're they're 500 at home.
2: What means more though, how well they played on the road or how poorly they played at home? I would think playing well on the road might actually mean more going forward. You would figure once they start to play a couple of cupcake teams at home, which I'm sure they have in those 13 road games, um, that they're not going to be getting swept like the Yankees and Red Sox swept them.
1: That's to my point. You faced the two best teams in the AL East. Now you're going to face the Rays out of them when they come over. You're going to face. The and the Rays, games, by the by LA way, LA just had like... an
2: eight-game winning streak. Yeah, Where did very, that come from? Very
1: quietly. Yeah, very quietly. Very, very, very yeah. quietly. They
2: got to within the game of 500. Yeah. They lost the other day uh, to end that winning streak, but you have the Yankees and the Rays. Both had eight game winning streaks. Now the Yankees are at nine. You had the Red Sox starting the season, what, 17 and 2 yep. in that AL East. And Toronto actually got off to a very good start record wise. You know that they're going to fall off and Tampa's going to fall off. This is still going to be Boston and New York as far as the, uh, the, the battle all season. But, you know, those teams are kind of doing their job, which is really going to leave Baltimore at the bottom. And, and we knew
1: the O's rotation was bad, but do you think their lineup be, I mean, their record would be this bad with Buck Walter running the show over there? Going to get, no. Cause in I that like division, Buck, yeah. And I respect Buck so a, lot, a lot, actually. So, um, no to that point, Vinny. They're 8-20. and 20. They're going to get Mark Trumbo back tomorrow. So, hopefully that injects a little offense to that lineup. This is somebody that hit 47 home runs two years ago. But, I mean, we've been on it and we have um, laughed about it. This rotation is not too funny. Vinny. <laughs>
2: <laughs> not even medium?
1: No, not too. <laughs>
2: So, I mean, that's the American League and the National League. It seems like that uh, AL, uh, the NL East is starting to all come together right now. Uh, come back, The Mets have come back to uh, earth, but they did get that series win, which is really big for the Mets uh, this weekend um, against San Diego. Uh, but we're going to talk about more baseball in just a few minutes because the big thing this past weekend was the NFL draft. And, uh, of course, uh, the Jets – A big part of that around this area, and to talk about that, we have New York Daily News Jets and NFL columnist, Manish Mehta. Uh, Manish, thank you for uh, spending a couple of minutes with us. I know you got a big game tonight, 8 o'clock, that you're very interested in.
3: (laughs) Yes, I am a Philadelphia Sixers fan, so we have a uh, big uh, game one against Boston. Old rivalry, so I'm looking forward
2: to it. Well, you can kind of kick back and relax last because all the heavy lifting is done. The draft's over. You can enjoy the second round. And when Mike McCagney made that trade a couple of months ago with the Colts, you have to figure, and maybe you, you would obviously know better than we would, there is no way that he thought when he gave up three second-round picks to move up to number three that probably the best quarterback uh, in this class would fall into his lap at number three. Uh, you have to think that Jets fans and Jets brass are just absolutely pumped that it worked out this way. Yeah, Absolutely.
3: Uh, Look, I think uh, they were operating under the belief for a a long time that Sam Darnold would be the number one overall pick, just like a lot of us thought that Darnold would go to Cleveland. So when they found out that that wasn't going to happen, and it was uh, probably about the same time everybody else found out that John Dorsey kept things pretty close to the vest until about 24 hours before the, the first pick. So... Sure, they're 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 happy with Darnold. Uh, Darnold's got a lot of potential. I I think he, frankly, is the best quarterback in this group. Uh, it would have been really interesting, however, if there was a choice between Josh Rosen and Baker Mayfield, what direction they would have gone in. Because speaking to people in the organization, I know there were people. Uh, that matter, that really liked Josh Rosen. Uh, there are also people in favor of Mayfield. Uh, my gut tells me that they would have gone Mayfield in that scenario, but you know, ultimately it became a moot point. And they get a guy in Sam Darnold who's not even 21 years old yet. I'm sure you've talked about it ad nauseum over the last several days. He's got a world of potential. I think if they bring him along the right way and then ultimately surround him with better pieces on the offensive side of the ball, that we're going to be talking about a star player in a few years.
1: Mace, you wrote a piece about uh, Josh
3: McCown and Josh McCown being,
1: uh, you know, the guy to help uh, Sam Donald. Um, and, and Josh McCown, at that point, even joking around saying his daughter sent him a message that he's only, she's only a year younger than
3: Sam Donald.
1: that Josh McCown could be the answer to help Sam Donald.
3: Well, look, if you've talked to anybody who has been around McCown teammates, coaches over the last 15 years at any of his eight different stops, they'll all tell you the same thing. He is a selfless player, a selfless teammate. Uh, You get a lot of lip service sometimes from veteran quarterbacks and veteran players who uh, are now suddenly in a room with a young player who's ultimately going to get their job but that's not really the case with McCown. He he wants to do what's right for the Jets. I think it's part of his DNA to be a a team-first guy. And what I thought was really interesting when I talked to McCown on uh, Friday or Saturday uh, was that he said the best thing for him, you know, outside of obviously taking the Jets to the playoffs this year, if he were the starter from start to finish, you know, excluding that, the best thing that he could do is to look back in five years and see Sam Darnold become a pro bowler. And that really kind of encapsulates who Josh McCown is uh, as not only a player, but uh, just as a, a guy, uh, as a person. And coaches know that. Todd Bowles knows that. Mike McCagnan knows that. Uh, all the other quarterbacks uh, who were with McCown last year know that. And the position players uh, on both sides of the ball are fully aware of what Josh McCown is all about. So uh, I don't think you could – really pick out any player in the league. If you're a young quarterback, if you're a team that drafted a first-round quarterback, I don't think there's any other mentor better in this league in 2018 for Sam Darnold than Josh McCown. The guy is going to be an open book. Darnold is going to be able to ask questions and McCown is not going to withhold any information. He knows he's in the twilight of his career. He's going to be 39 years old. This is likely the end for him. He wants to be a coach at some point, at some level, when his playing days are over. So I think it's a perfect fit. It's a perfect marriage. Uh, And uh, I think that just bodes well for the Jets, frankly, if you look at this as an overview. It bodes well to have a person and a player with McCown's experience willing to share all of that information uh, to a player who they hope who they hope will be their franchise quarterback for the next 10 15 years and we always hear the leadership and and, uh how knowledgeable
1: he is about football mccown uh do you think by any chance that the sam Darnold will start week one or do you think it's wise to leave him under uh mccown and let him go a couple weeks and then throw uh sam Darnold in maybe next year or sometime middle or late in the season
3: Well, I can promise you that Sam Darnold will play in 2018. This will not be a redshirt year, barring some kind of unforeseen circumstance, of course. To me, this is not a quarterback competition between Josh McCown and Sam Darnold or Teddy Bridgewater and Sam Darnold. This is really about how quickly Sam Darnold picks up Jeremy Bates' offense, how he does in practice in the meeting rooms, how he does in training camp and in the preseason. And if Todd Bowles and Jeremy Bates believe that Sam Darnold is be, is ready to be the week one starter, then he will be the week one starter. Because I think, look, if, if, you're, if, you're, if this is going to be a fair fight, Josh McCown is not going to lose a, a quarterback battle with Sam Darnold. If this is just, you know, who's the best quarterback in the, at this point in time, McCown has a, a wealth of knowledge and ability and assuming that he's healthy, you would assume that he would beat out Sam Darnold. I don't think that's what this is about. That's what it was about last year, because Todd Bowles uh, pretty much knew that he didn't have a young franchise quarterback in his room. That's not the case this year because he does believe that Sam Darnold can be that answer. So if Darnold shows enough to the offensive coordinator and the head coach that he is ready to start week one, then he will, regardless of how Josh McCown has done. Because you know McCown's going to fare well in training camp practices. You know that in a limited amount of time in the preseason, he'll probably do well. Remember, he didn't really play that much at all in the preseason. So that's not really what this is about. This is really about looking at Sam Darnold's development in a vacuum. And, again, if the decision-makers believe that he's capable of starting week one, then he will. If not, then at some point this season he will play. This, again, is not going to be one of those situations where they put Sam Darnold on ice from week uh, one to 17. And Manish, now what do you do with Bryce Petty and Christian
1: Hackenberg? Are they willing to admit that Hackenberg, that whole uh, experience, just isn't going to work out? And, and even Teddy Bridgewater, for that matter, I mean, we know that he's only going to be a $500,000, uh, you know, cap penalty if they were to cut him. Do you think he makes the team? What do you do now with these
3: other three quarterbacks? Well, frankly, uh, I think the Jets uh, did a disservice to Bryce Petty and Christian Hackenberg by not uh, parting ways with both of those guys yet. Uh, I thought it made perfect sense to, uh, you know, either trade or in all likelihood just, release both petty and hackenberg when free agency started you know give those guys an opportunity to survey the landscape and see what team best fits them that didn't happen uh the jets had a kind of a hail mary situation during the draft where you know if a team was willing to take one or both of those guys off their hands they would have done it for a you know a late pick you know likely a conditional six conditional seventh round pick you know nothing of consequence but that didn't happen either uh they're obviously not going to be on this team uh Bryce Petty is entering the final year of his rookie contract. I would anticipate that he wouldn't be on this team that much longer. Frankly, I'm surprised. Uh, I'm surprised he you know he didn't get released uh, or waived uh, today. But uh, I'm, I'm sure that's going to happen at some point unless there's a team out there willing to take him off the Jets' hands, which I can't anticipate because again, Petty's in the final year of his contract. So I would anticipate that he would be cut. Uh, Hackenberg, to me, look, he should have been cut. He should have been cut uh, when training camp, uh, I'm sorry, when free agency began. He should have been cut probably uh, shortly thereafter, but uh, he's not part of the future. Uh, The only situation and the only scenario I could see where the Jets hang on to him for a little bit longer is if they want to see what uh, Teddy Bridgewater brings to the table in terms of health, because Bridgewater isn't fully healthy. So in theory, if Bridgewater uh doesn't stay healthy, like you said it's a you know minimal financial hit for the Jets to cut him. In theory, they could keep Christian Hackenberg as the number three quarterback. But, again, I don't know if that solves anything. In fact, I think it probably creates more problems because you want the quarterback room in 2018 and for the foreseeable future to be about developing and grooming Sam Darnold. There isn't room for Christian Hackenberg. Now, did the Jets do him a disservice as a rookie? Absolutely. I could tell you a million stories, which I won't, but I could tell you a million stories about what happened during his rookie year and how he was marginalized and really didn't get the coaching that he probably should have gotten given that Mike McCagnan invested a second-round pick. Uh, But be that as it may, uh, he's got two years left on his rookie contract. Maybe uh, a team I thought would have been willing to part with a conditional sixth- or seventh-round pick for him during the draft. That didn't happen. Uh, I don't don't foresee a trade, to be honest with you, so I would anticipate that he would be cut as well. It's the timing of the Hackenberg cut at this point I'm unsure about. I thought, uh, again, I, I thought, frankly, that he and Petty should have been gone by now. Uh, if they want to see what you know Bridgewater's health is, maybe they can hold on to Hackenberg. But again, what's Hackenberg going to do? He's going to be the third quarterback. He's not going to have any kind of time. You don't want to, uh, you know, for lack of a better word, waste reps on Christian Hackenberg in training camp when you want to give those reps to Sam Darnold. Frankly, so look, it's a cutthroat business. I thought the Jets didn't do right by him uh, by how they. Uh, Kind of marginalized him as a rookie. I certainly don't think they did right by him this off season by holding on to him to even to this point. Uh, but he is not part of the future. Uh, we'll see what happens with Bridgewater. But again, this quarterback room and frankly this team uh, for the present and for the foreseeable future is going to be about one quarterback, and that's Sam Donald.
2: 726 over the top sports radio, Manish met New York daily news, Jets NFL columnist joining us. Uh, Manish, what about the rest of the Jets draft? We know they didn't have the second round picks. Uh, Nathan Shepard, a uh, virtual unknown. Um, what do you know about him? Uh, definitely a, a choice that was kind of off the board for the third round. I thought at least, so what do you know about Shepard and maybe the rest of the draft uh, for, uh, McHagnon and the fellows over there?
3: Well, it's a, an interesting story. That's for sure. I mean, this is a guy, uh, He's Canadian. He went, started his college life in Canada, and then took a two-year break for financial reasons. Uh, you know, had odd jobs. Uh, worked at a construction company, electrical sh- construction company, I believe. Uh, plant nursery, I think, a printing company as well. And then he resurfaced at Fort Hayes State, Division II school. Uh, did did pretty well, but again, you got to factor in the competition level. He is going to be 25 in October, and I. I I'm not a big fan of that drafting rookies who are that old. Mike McCagnan, when I asked him about it a few days ago, kind of dismissed that. Said it's not that big of a deal. I don't know if Nathan Shepard's going to hit the ground running uh, again because there is a big jump in competition level from Division Two to the NFL. But ideally, what Todd Bowles wants to do with Shepard is put him in that three-four defensive. Role The role that was occupied by Mo Wilkerson it, you know in a perfect world, Shepard would become a part of both his regular d line rotation. We'll see what happens. Uh, but again, an intriguing pick, I know that the scouting community in, across the league really likes that pick. Uh, I'd be lying to you if I told you I even heard of Nathan Shepard before Saturday, uh, before Friday when they picked him, but uh, do, just doing some homework after the fact I think this is a guy who's got a little bit of potential here and a guy who would certainly feel a need if he uh, at least picks up some of the slack left by Wilkerson's departure. Uh, The other guys, this Miami tight end, Chris Herndon, probably the most athletic uh, tight end that they have on their roster. I know that's probably not saying much, given that they got Jordan Leggett, who didn't play last year because of of injury during his rookie year. Eric Tomlinson, more of a kind of a jack-of-all-trades, blocking tight end, fullback, uh, Swiss Army knife type of guy. But Herndon's an interesting guy, athletic for sure. Uh, you won't see him on the field. Actually, the Jets, uh, we won't see him on the field at all for, for a while, but the Jets won't see him on the field for four to six weeks. He's recovering from an MCL, MCL tear that he had at the end of the regular season last year. So, uh, you know, let's keep, him eye, keep an eye on him in training camp. Nothing's going to happen in OTAs or mini camp with him. So he's he's on the shelf and kind of in the background for now. Uh, the, the Of the three six-round picks, I was really intrigued by the Tulane cornerback. And Perry uh, Nickerson. Uh, he's a guy who's undersized or, you know, not not the tallest guy. Probably going to be playing a lot in the slot, if at all, this season. Uh, what's interesting is that he didn't really play in the slot at, at Tulane. Uh, he's had knee issues, but despite those knee issues, he, he ran a four-three forty, So he's got blazing speed. I think he's an intriguing guy. Uh, you know, he's he's a guy who I think could play a little bit. And, and if Buster Screen's not going to be a part of the, the equation – Starting in 2019, remember he's in the final year of his contract. So if screens out of the picture next year, then maybe you can groom a guy like like Nickerson to be the, you know the, the 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 slot corner, the nickel corner, uh, you know, in, starting in 2019. So I mean that's TBD. They got the UConn defensive uh, tackle. I'm not going to even try to pronounce his last name, but I'll call him Foley. He's a Queens kid, local kid. Uh, maybe he can be a part of the rotation, uh, you know, at some point down the line. Uh, their last pick was. was was a little bit intriguing he's a a running back but really they're looking at this kid Trenton Cannon from Virginia State as a possible kick returner punt returner option and I don't have to tell you guys that's been a bugaboo since Todd Bowles came here they really haven't had a returner and right now they've got Andre Roberts we'll see how that kind of shakes out but this this return position kick returning punt returning that's really up for grabs And, and maybe this kid who's got a little bit of you know, explosion in his game, but again, he's coming from inferior competition, playing at Virginia State. I mean, maybe this guy can emerge a little bit. I, I think Jeremy Bates will try to use him, uh, at least in, in in training camp, a little bit to see, you know, what if anything he can get out of him. If not, I think he'll strictly be a special teams player. There is another part of the equation here: a guy who actually wasn't drafted, who might be the most interesting guy in this whole group, and that's this uh, Henry Anderson, who they traded with Indianapolis, with they uh, gave up a seventh-round pick. Uh, for for Anderson, who's going to be a, you know a fourth-year player, I want to say I think he's entering the final year of his rookie contract. Defensive end, really started off his career pretty well. He's a third-round pick out of Stanford, played pretty well as a rookie. Then he tore his ACL. Uh, second year, not so great, not not terrible, just kind of a nondescript season. And then last year. He had uh, one of the weirdest injuries you'll ever hear of. It's a throat fracture of some sort. So uh, the Jets don't even know if he's going to pass his physical. So if he doesn't pass his physical, the, the Jets will get the pick back. But if he does pass his physical and he is healthy, I mean, that's a guy who might be able to give you a little bit something off the edge. The Jets are looking for it. And the fact that they gave up a, a seventh-round pick, uh, primarily because Indianapolis is now switching from a 3-4 defense to a 4-3 defense, you know that could be a steal.
1: As a Giant fan, I have to ask you, with them taking Saquon Barkley at number two, were the Jets nervous that they were going to go quarterback after seeing Baker go number one? Do you think the Giants also made a mistake going running back and passing up on your boy Sam Darnold?
3: Well, the Jets did not know what the Giants were going to do. Uh, And when I say that, I don't necessarily just mean who they were going to pick it to. Uh, It it, it was more about were they going to trade out of two, and and that would make a quarterback-needy team – jumping into that number two spot and taking Sam Darnold. So those are all factors the Jets, you know, really didn't know anything about. I mean, they could suspect it. I think they were fairly certain that if the Giants stayed at two, they would take Barkley. What they didn't know was whether uh, they would trade out of that pick. And, and to answer the second part of your question, yes, I think they, the Giants made a huge mistake, and maybe I'm in the minority here. And I'm not saying that as an indictment on Barkley, because I think, just like everybody else, basically, that... Saquon Barkley is going to be a terrific player in this league. I think he's going to be a great running back. But when you have a 37-year-old quarterback, in Eli Manning who's leaking oil, and if you're if you're objective about it and you take your you know big blue blinders off for a second, Eli Manning is trending down, and he is 37. And I understand that uh, quarterbacks like uh, Tom Brady, who's going to be 41 this year, and and Drew Brees, who's in his late 30s, are still playing at a high level. But for the most part, you know, 37, you're stretching it now. If you're a quarterback, maybe you get another year. 38, I'm not sure how much Eli Manning has left in the tank. Frankly, I think the Giants, frankly, needed to look at the big picture here. They're not going to, in all likelihood, be picking this high again in the foreseeable future, or at least they hope not, right? And you're not going to have a quarterback class like you had this year. So for them to not walk away with not only one of these quarterbacks, but who I think is the best quarterback in the in the draft class in Sam Darnold, to me, is a big mistake because Barkley can be a tremendous player for, what, five, six, maybe seven years of just, like, elite play. Uh, A quarterback, especially a 20-year-old quarterback, is going to give you probably twice as much, twice as, uh, a lot of production for twice as long. So the idea of passing up on Sam Darnold, to me, was a big mistake. And, again, that's not because of, of Barkley. It's more about position value and the idea that this was a deep running back class and I'm fairly confident the Giants could have gotten, uh, you know, a quality player at that position in the second or third round. I Manish, before we let you go here, I just want to ask you about Robbie Anderson. We uh, we know about the, uh, the interaction
1: with the police officer. Was there any talk about the Jets cutting him after that, or uh, have you heard anything? Uh, any concern that they're, they're uh, confident he's going to face some sort of discipline from the league?
3: Well, I think he's going to get some discipline. Uh, they, they never really seriously considered uh, – cutting him. Uh, I I reached out to people after that most recent arrest, and it was never really consideration. And look, the reason for that, let's be honest, is partly financial. They're not really paying him much. They got him on the cheap for a little bit here. Uh, So there isn't any kind of massive financial issue with him if it doesn't work out. uh, You know, they could ultimately part ways if he gets into trouble again moving forward. But uh, Look, well, he's got these legal issues still pending. Uh, you know, some of these charges for this most re- recent arrest were reduced, uh, but I do think that the league will step in at some point, And I don't believe that uh, Robbie Anderson is going to play a full 16-game schedule this year. Whether he's suspended for two, three, four games, you know, that's TBD. But uh, I think he's going to have to sit out for at least a little bit of time. And uh, one more, I lied. Uh, how close were they to uh,
1: to getting Sue? Uh, you know, we read in the papers they made an offer. They were the highest bidder. How close was that?
3: Well, look, it takes two to tango, right? You can you can make an offer to a player, and if he's interested, he'll he'll jump on it, or at the very least, he'll come to your building, check out the facilities, check out the coaching staff, really show that you're interested in joining the team. But when the Jets make a fairly generous offer, and you don't. Uh, plan on coming to the facility, then I think it's fairly obvious that you're using the Jets as leverage to try to get m- more money to a place you really want to go. So uh, I think the Jets felt, you know, a-, a little bit scorned with the Kirk Cousins situation, and, and uh, maybe part of uh, you know getting used, for lack of a better phrase, uh, in that situation, uh, you know, ensured in some of the people's minds in that building that it wasn't going to happen again. So look, they put their best foot forward. They made an offer. Ultimately, uh, you know, he chose to go elsewhere, probably go to a better situation for him, to be honest with you. But, uh, yeah, I'm not sure it would have been a good decision anyway. The guy can still play. He's not the elite player he was in Detroit. uh, But I think that he he still would have made a valuable contribution. But, you know, uh, maybe – I don't think that would have been money well spent. Even though I think he was a good player, I don't think, you know, he would have been a good fit in this locker room given his age, given some of his – you know uh actions in the past, and just given what the Jets are trying to build here with uh with this younger culture and this uh you know all in team all in type of vibe, I'm not sure and Dominn Sue would have been the right fit uh for them in
2: two thousand and eighteen All right, Manish, and what's your confidence level for your sixers tonight as they open up game one in boston uh eastern Conference semifinals where's your confidence level at?
3: My confidence level is always high. Always high in just about anything. So I, I, I think that they're going to – it'll be a fun series uh, just because I think some of the history, but uh, just talent. When you're looking at talent, Sixers are a more talented team. I, I, I think I think there's a possibility Boston could stretch it to six, but I would anticipate Philly wraps it up in Philly uh, in five. Wow.
2: Oh, wow. So uh, best of luck to them, and uh, thank you so much for giving us a couple of minutes. We know it's been a busy couple of weeks. Uh, hopefully you can take a deep breath right now as uh, we get ready for uh, more training camps to come. But thank you so much for joining us, Manish. All
3: right. Thanks for having me on, guys. Take care.
2: Right, you got him. Manish Mehta, New York Daily News, Jets and NFL columnist, beat writer for the Jets, uh, giving us a couple of minutes about the Jets' draft, a uh, possible historic one for them, too, getting Sam Donald. And uh, he could be the guy that changes uh, that whole franchise around as far as the quarterbacks go. They haven't had a real franchise guy since Joe Namath been about 50 years since uh, they won that Super Bowl, so uh, we'll see what happens with that. And uh, thanks to Manish again for a couple of minutes. Um, real quick, final thoughts on uh, the Jets and everything in the in, in uh, the draft. Anything uh, surprise you over the weekend? I mean, to me, the biggest surprise with the Giants was that they're running. <laughs>
1: Yeah, uh, that's interesting. Uh, obviously, I thought we were pretty set at that uh, defense tackle. I don't mind taking one more for depth issues, but um, when you're going 3 4, it doesn't make too much sense to taking both. I agree with that. and um, I just, uh, you know, Manish isn't the only one that has taken the Kate on Barkley, so the jury will be out on that. And- uh, that's a, a decision that's going to fall on Gettleman for you know his time here. That's going to be the big thing. Did they miss the opportunity to take that franchise quarterback?
2: And how long until we can actually evaluate whether that was true or not? This is not something that we can evaluate next year. The Saquon Barkley could go out and have 1,500 yards. Uh, that's going to mean nothing because Sam Darnold might not play and he's a rookie quarterback. This is a decision that Gettleman made that might not be able to be um, evaluated or you can't come to a decision whether it was right or wrong one, maybe for almost a decade. You really might not. You don't know how long that Saquon's going to be there with the Giants.
1: You're right. You're absolutely right. And even with the quarterback, uh, you know, I found what Manish said interesting. He's, you know, guaranteeing that Darnold will play at some point. So, uh, you know, maybe we do get a little look, Rob, at, uh, you know, uh, at the Giants if they made a mistake or not. You know, personally, I say no. And this guy's a lot closer to the Jets and obviously a lot closer to the draft and everything than we are. He seems to love Sam Darnold. He is all for him. him And he thinks the Giants made a big-time mistake. And uh, it was really interesting to hear him. He thinks the the Jets struck gold here with their future quarterback.
2: All right, so after Manish, uh, somebody calling in. Uh, uh, Goon says we got somebody on the line, so welcome to Over the Top Sports Radio. Who do we have on the line?
0: Hey, guys, it's Glenn. Thanks for the Griffey jersey. I appreciate it.
2: Oh, Glenn, how you doing?
0: What's, Good. Uh, what's uh, going uh, on with you? Not too much. I want to talk about the most important sports story of the day. I don't know if you guys mentioned it yet. Lou Lamarello. Lou <laughs> um, yeah, What
2: do it, you think? Save it for the end. Uh, We, you know, obviously haven't talked about the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs yet, and we got to get some NBA too as well and some baseball. But, yeah, Lou Lamarillo, it kind of seemed to uh, be known uh, once Toronto was eliminated last week in Game 7 by Boston that his time with Toronto was ending. They have a couple of young guys there inside the organization that they wanted to not lose. And and able to keep them in the organization, Lou was going to have to be phased out. Now, does that mean that the Islanders are going to be able to get him? We'll see. It's a, He's the perfect fit for them, right? His son already works there, and a lot of those guys in the Islanders' office uh, have ties with Lou Lamarillo. So is he the perfect fit for the Islanders? Yes. Did the Islanders ever make the perfect fit work? Never. Not really. So uh, Never. we only hope that uh, it works out this time. But uh, it's going to take a couple of days, if not weeks, to see if uh, Ledecky and Malkin uh, are going to make that play and what it means for Garth Snow.
0: You know, you, you hear nothing coming out of this evaluation period. Um, the only thing that did make sense when you see all these top guys that are like the Tommy Fitzgeralds, like the Paul Fentons, these guys that have been available, and their evaluation is still going on. So the whole Lamarville thing is the only thing that made sense to me, the fact that they're not going out and interviewing these guys. Um, but with the clock ticking on Tavares, something's got to happen. And, uh, you know, it, it's it, – I mean, obviously they care, but – you know, I'm sitting here patiently, well, impatiently winning July 1st because you hear nothing. You hear nothing on John. You hear nothing from the organization, top executive. We heard that last year. There's nothing going on, and nobody seems to care. I mean, the fans yeah. care, but nobody, you know, where, where is Ledecky? He, he's, he wants to be on TV when the Islanders have a four-goal comeback in the third period. He wants to be Mark Cuban shouting about the four power play goals against Detroit. Where has he been? That that. The two days afterwards, with those statements that he let out, were, were made this even more pathetic, in my opinion. And uh, Glenn, he's been uh, nowhere since. Glenn, I can tell you that John's bag's already
1: packed. The house is on the market, oh, and God. that guy is ready to go. So, uh, Glenn, Glenn, you could tell he got a Ranger
0: <laughs> fan host and another
2: well, fan host. But uh, uh, as far as yeah, the Denver guy goes, thinks
0: he's coming to Manhattan, but he he wants to win. So I don't know why i would go there myself. No, I don't
2: think he's going to Manhattan. But he does want no, to win. No, there's
0: no chance. There's no chance. But listen, <laughs> I, I don't goes. think he's staying. Why would he stay?
1: As far as Ledecky goes, as Rob mentioned, I am a Rangers fan, but I did go to an Islanders game. My wife's an Islanders fan. Ledecky went down, and I think it's more than just, um, you know, being on TV for him. I think he truly cares about the fan base. Uh, I think he truly cares about keeping them here, keeping a a winning team and and a good product. Um, You know, uh, like I'm contradicting myself because Garth Snow still has a job, but I do truly believe that it's more than just being on TV for him and being that Mark Cuban-type face. And, uh, and listen, just being as a, a Met fan also, unfortunately, I would like a guy like that to be my owner. I, I really would. So uh, as usual, we appreciate the call. We appreciate, uh, you know, any call, especially hockey talk. We don't talk much about it here. Uh, I'm glad you got the Griffey Jersey. Hopefully it fits. And, uh, and we'll
2: see what happens and, with, uh, with Johnny Tavares. And Glenn, I promise you, if something does happen with Lou Lamarillo, we'll have on an Islander writer and Islander guest. We'll get him on the show and we can really delve into it. But, uh, the last thing about this is, and we got to move on to other sports. Glenn is there. Um, you talk about the evaluation period. I think a big part of the evaluation period is what are they going to do to keep John? If John leaves, Garth's done. This whole they didn't regime's do done. To keep him. It's, it's been two weeks. It's been two weeks. I was oh, there. Come on. I, I'm saying since they said this announcement, oh, I was it's there. Been going on for how long though? April 9th. April. Rob was there. Rob
1: talked to him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
2: telling you, I was there.
1: But, it, but they've had how many years to do something no, to him? Everleigh is the only thing they've ever done to him.
0: And if he said everything you said about Ledecky, if it's true, how does Snow still have a job? How is not Tavares inked in to a contract extension? So if I want to believe that Ledecky that guy that you talked about, then why is Snow still have a job? Why is Wade still with this organization? And why is Tavares not signed for the next 10 years? Well, we'll
2: figure that out. And uh, Listen. Well, we'll see. I think that Garth gives him the best chance to sign John Tavares, and that might not be a very popular opinion, maybe with you, maybe with other Islander fans. Um, but I think that if they bring in Lou Lamarello, it can only help. But don't forget, if they bring – last thing for me, if they bring in Lou Lamarello, it's not to get rid of Garth. Garth's going to be reassigned to president. Lou's going to be the GM. Or Lou's going to be the president, and Garth's going to stay yeah, GM. that sounds more realistic. And that's what's going to happen. Interested. So it's not like Garth's going to leave. Garth and Lou are tight. He's part of the reason that Lou would come here is because they have a relationship going back. So we can get into that, especially on the Saturday show, and we have 90 minutes. We can get more into the Islanders stuff. Maybe something changes in the next five days. Probably I heard not. The virus is going to Russia. Well, Russia better chance he goes to Russia than <laughs> Toronto. Uh, you could put that. You could put that down on paper. Put my face to it, and I'll, and I'll sign off on it. But listen, we could talk Islanders all I day. I could do Russia's it all day. So bad. Um, <laughs> and, hey, w- wouldn't hurt me as much as going anywhere else in the NHL, right? And um. We could talk more about it on Saturday. Maybe there'll be some more clarity to it. Sometimes these things work uh, pretty fast. But when you're with the Islanders, uh, what seems like it should happen doesn't always happen. But we're going to continue back on the NBA. We talked a little bit about Boston and Philadelphia with Manish Mehta. He thinks that the Sixers are going to win. I'm sure there's a little bit bias there, but that's okay. But yesterday we had a Game 7, and we talked about it on Saturday morning. I didn't think LeBron James was ever going to lose this Game 7 at home. He's never lost the first-round series to begin with. And uh, he scored 45 points in 43 minutes. Um, he's been putting the team on his back for a long time. And uh, yesterday, maybe it took too much out of him, but he got it done at least one more time.
1: Yeah, Vinny, I mean, you're the, uh, you're the LeBron guy. Man. That's what it, it is. He stepped up in the big game. And um, obviously, you had to like his chances at home. He wasn't going to lose another uh, home game, especially in a do-or-die situation of game seven. Uh, 45 points, the guy, he came out firing in the first half. He meant business straight, up, straight out of the get-go. Uh, he, listen, LeBron James is a superstar, and Old Depot is not quite the superstar, but that's what it comes down to. you got to go with the better player. LeBron got it done at home and, once again, surpasses into the first round. Now he's got to go against, this is what sucks about being the fourth seed instead of that three seed But Philadelphia won over them. they got to go against Toronto, the best home team uh, uh, in all of the NBA, instead of going against the Kyrie list and Gordon Hayward list, Boston Celtics like the uh, Sixers do, who are also four-point favorites on the road tonight in game one. And this is the first time, Vinny, that you, since you brought this up. Uh, LeBron has been the underdog in a series since 2008 against the Celtics. So, very interesting. And I have to ask you, Vinny, where was Tristan Thompson until yesterday? Um, I cheating guess on too busy, I was just going to say that. Too busy <laughs> cheating on Khloe Kardashian. Um, it, it's really crazy. The, the Cavaliers, LeBron James is going to be getting six and a half points On the road in game one in Toronto, that is wild. It just feels like Vegas is absolutely baiting you into taking King James, getting that many points in a playoff game. I haven't seen LeBron James get this much points since uh, he was against the Warriors in the NBA Finals. Usually you do not get LeBron James with that many points. Six and a half on the road against Toronto, who Cleveland happens to have their number, by the way. Um, Pretty interesting right there. Um, That's going to be a pretty good series, how LeBron does against the backcourt of DeMar DeRozan and uh, Kyle Lowry.
2: What do you have uh, for your prediction then? Because that that's a really really crazy series to have to predict. You you know LeBron, you love LeBron, you love the Cavs, but so many things scream that you should be taking the Raptors, especially their home road splits between the two teams.
1: Well, I hate LeBron, I hate the Cavs, but um, (laughs) yeah, but you love that you love picking them to win. (laughs) Yeah, but when money talks, you got to do the right thing with the money. Well, we're
2: talking about money. We're not talking about your
1: heart. We're we're going to go. LeBron James is going to play 14 games this postseason, but he's going to advance and play more. They're going to go Cavaliers in seven. Is my prediction.
2: Wow. No, that's crazy. What about uh, and the Warriors uh, making easy work of the Pelicans is going to stay that way?
1: Well, if they did that without Steph Curry, I really thought they were going to need him to hang with the series. But listen, the Warriors are just too damn good at home, and that's the bottom line here. I think the Pelicans are gonna, they're gonna have a shot here. They're gonna have to do it at home and try to even up two two. If they can't win them both at home, because they're not going to win game two, they have no shot here. And also, that gives Steph Curry time to come back late in the games so for game five, six, and seven if need be. I thought Curry was upgraded to probable tomorrow. Well, uh, he, yeah, I guess he was playing. I know he was almost playing game one, but yeah. now who knows? Maybe they hold them all since they won game one. I wouldn't mess around. I'd rather get that 2-0 lead and get him in there, even if his minutes are deducted. But they showed already they could beat the Pelicans without Steph Curry. And that spread was nine. What do you think it goes to tomorrow?
2: Um,
1: I thought, I thought 10 actually. and a half. 11, I bet. Wow. I bet it's 11. They they handled them. They right their way right with, now it's 10 and a half. Start to finish. So there you go. We're on the same ballpark. Uh, but as for tonight's series that's starting off, uh, Manisha's uh, series, the uh, Sixers and the Celtics, uh, what do you guys think the series line is for this? It's pretty interesting. I would say Philly is, for the series, minus 300.
2: For the series,
1: series minus line.
0: 300? Wow.
2: I was going to say about 160. Minus 160?
1: The Philadelphia 76ers are minus 550 for the oh, win their series. That, wow. They are a hot team. They and got they, a lot of and talent. they don't have home court. They don't have home court. They're on the road most of the series. Uh, the Celtics are a nice plus 350 if anybody likes them with the home uh, court advantage here. I do not. Philadelphia <laughs> looks strong. They look uh, really young and talented. This is a team that I think is really actually going to get to the NBA Finals, and I never thought I'd be saying that.
2: It's just such a quick ascension for them. They really started to get hot towards the end of the season. You knew they were a good team. Now they're turning into maybe a possibly great team. And speaking of great, is as uh, good as Houston looked yesterday, do, do the Jazz have any chance? No.
1: No, I'm going to give them one game at home because I respect that franchise. I respect that they play defense. I like the way they move the ball and they're pick and rolls. Yeah, baseball, but – um. I'm going to give, I got Houston winning that series in five. I did, they did not match up well with the Houston Rockets. The only team that does is the Golden State Warriors.
2: And uh, some Carmelo Anthony comments uh, today. Uh, oh, this isn't going to be like, funny. Did you, see, did you hear <laughs> any of them? What did he say? Basically said that he doesn't like his role, and he did it to be a team player and to you know, do the right <laughs> thing for the team,
1: but now he's going to
2: take the next couple of weeks to reevaluate him as a teammate and what's going on, uh, that he just didn't like his role there and it just didn't seem to fit. He gave it his best, but it just didn't work out. He is right that it didn't work out. I definitely believe him he gave it his best,
1: too, because he just flat out sucks, (laughs) and that's the best he plays. Uh, Listen, he's going to make $28 million next year, and he might not even be a starter on that team because he is not opting out because now the rest of the league, now that he's been an OKC with a, a good team around him, he's been exposed as a shitty basketball player, a selfish basketball player who doesn't make anybody better around him, who takes stupid, selfish shots, and he's just a notorious loser now. That's what he's become. It's been exposed now that he's played with Westbrook. It's done. The Melo Anthony, you're going to get your $28 million, and then your days of being considered a superstar are officially over.
2: And nothing makes you happier.
1: Oh, man. I mean, I've seen this guy play 82 games over and over again, and just it's terrible to watch. His, his basketball IQ is absolutely piss poor. He takes the worst shots of all time. He takes so many shots. His field percentage is terrible. I mean, I could go on and on and on about this guy. Um, it's about time that the league has realized that he is not a
2: superstar. Well, the NBA is not the only league in the second round of their playoffs. The NHL as well uh, underway. We have a very good game and I think might be the best series uh, in the East that you could have. I think this is going to be a better series than Washington-Pittsburgh. Boston-Tampa Bay, two Atlantic Division teams. Tampa up 1-0 today, but Boston stole a game already on the road. Um, Mike, you've been watching some of the games. Last night, great game in Nashville. A double overtime game Saturday night with the Golden Knights and Sharks. Finally, the Golden Knights losing. Uh, your impressions of these games in uh, the second round of the NHL so far.
1: Yeah. I thought the golden Knights got robbed on, uh, Absolutely. on Saturday with 100%. the, uh, I thought they scored the goal. I thought it was a good goal. Then uh, they challenged it. And uh, I just didn't think there was enough contact there, to be honest with you, Rob. And also Dylan's hands were on, uh, on the players back. And... The player
2: wasn't in the crease.
1: Right. So the so players understand. allowed
2: to be in the white part. It's how is it the players fault? the goalie puts the stick in the white exactly. part of the ice. Exactly. That was terrible.
1: So, uh, I thought there were hoes there. I really did. Uh, as far as last night goes, um, Listen, I thought the Jets were the better team for most of it. I thought um, Johansson's goal was uh, one of the prettiest goals you'll ever see, and uh, the last six minutes of that third period, they were holding on for dear life, and you just knew that goal was coming, and that Jets offense, I actually picked them to win the series, I believe. Um, They can score with anybody. They really can, and they got very lucky last night in Nashville. They had a few chances to win it in the first overtime, about three golden ones, and they got lucky that they didn't in uh, the second. Next, to my favorite two teams in the postseason, the Sharks Knights. Obviously, you guys know hockey a lot better than I do. Um, I thought it was interference just because uh, you can't get a goal in the NHL that easily, if not. I mean, he, he scored so easily due to some kind of interference. It had to be enough for them to obviously look at it and agree that they, that was goal interference. They had the time to look at it. They're the officials. They know better than we do. And it ended up uh, working in the Sharks' favor. They needed this game on the road. They actually came out and played very, very well, the Sharks. They had to lead until, what, two minutes left in the third period. They got blown out and embarrassed in game one, and they came out to bring this back. Now the Knights are up for their biggest test as they're going into the Shark tank, which will be the Sharks' bank tonight, as I vow the San Jose Sharks win game three tonight.
2: Now you said uh, it worked out in the Sharks' favor. You're talking about the San Jose Sharks. It also work out in the Sharks' favor on saturday night it did i bet the over on each of these games <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so then you should, it didn't matter at that point in overtime, you already hit OT, the over right, right okay, okay, you were good I was, uh, so i was okay
1: with that but um that's what i've been doing i love these teams too much but tonight i'm actually the over's picking been a side. really good i'm picking a side i'm staying away from the over for once and i'm going with the sharks because i think the knights are in for a big battle after a big time win for the sharks whether however they wanted you can say they got robbed whatever you want to say maybe the knights come out there pissed I think the shark tank environment is too much and dollar bills will be floating in my pocket after tonight. I
2: believe that you're half right. I believe that you're right, that it was such an easy goal because he was quote unquote interfered with, but I don't think it was an illegal interference. That's the difference. When a guy's not in the crease, that's his area. The skaters allowed on that white part of the ice. That's why the crease is blue. Listen, and if you're, you're in the white outraged. area and you're in the white. A
1: lot of people were outraged, Rob, but they looked at it. They looked at it. and that, I, I, I don't have to
2: say they made the right decision. if they took You, know, you, you see the Yankee, Yankee, Yankee call two weeks it. ago where. It was clearly in the Yankees' favor, and they showed it a million times. Um, yes, but the MLB didn't give it to the Yankees. Where he was uh, at Are the, third, the play at first base? So, the, the no, the play at first about a week and a half ago everybody in the world saw that he oh was... yes that's right that was bad and it was the... so sometimes they review it and they still get it wrong and this is just the case but whatever i'm not a golden knights fan i didn't bet on the game i'm not going to harp on it but they did get screwed mike I is right they, they got did screwed. Get screwed and did you get screwed up <laughs> you got screwed on you had, the okay. money yeah, oh, had money line yeah <laughs> well, oh so it did work out the shark's favor <laughs> In many ways, Uh, and uh, the Pittsburgh uh, had a chance to go up two nothing yesterday in Washington, a game that Washington had to have. If Washington loses yesterday, this is not going to be like the Columbus series where they're able to win four straight games after losing the first two at home. They came out, they were the desperate team, they looked desperate. uh, A lot of penalties went their way, but they were able to get the win over Pittsburgh and tie that series up at one. That goes back into Pennsylvania tomorrow for a game three series tied at one.
1: And I love. Pittsburgh tomorrow guys they, they are 16 two. and 3 after a playoff loss since 2016 absolutely love the Pittsburgh Penguins tomorrow night minus 145 at home that is very that's good money that's a discount of Penguins home spread if you ask me I love it Mike that's a hammer drop it over there after you put all your shark winning on it tonight <laughs> um the Pittsburgh Penguins listen uh you, you said a great Rob uh they they were not going to fall within the Blue Jackets that they lost their first two home games against uh the defending Stanley Cup champions so I love Pittsburgh to get this game up to 2-1 advantage and not fall behind at home.
2: And then uh, we I know you touched on last night's game, uh, the Jets and Predators a little bit, but I thought that was one of the great hockey games you're going to see. It had a little bit of everything. Yes, the Jets dominated for a big portion, and you knew they were going to get the tying goal. It was a matter of time. It was just a matter of time, but then it wasn't much time that it took for Johansson to go ahead and give him the lead again, then the Jets come back. Shifley is an absolute stud. He's the best player in hockey that you guys haven't – not you guys, but just in general people haven't heard of. He was a first-round pick, passed on by a bunch of teams. He's an absolute stud. He got the big goal last night, and uh, that series also tied at one. But at the end of the night, they were playing, to end the night, glorious how we play to start our show. And and listen, that was
1: into the second overtime, Rob. The the pace of play never slowed down. These were two teams that just uh, every check they were finishing it. They generally didn't like each other uh, in each other's faces constantly. Uh, you said it, man. It was a great game, and I expect the same thing tomorrow night. You're getting some great oh, hockey games here. Boston Bruins. What a goal! Tie it up over Long there. Island people. native Charlie McAvoy. I'm liking the Capitals, Penguins, and Predators, Jets on the same day with each other because that's just uh, I feel like these are going to be great series over there. At
2: least they staggered the times. At least they're half an hour apart. Yeah. Now, usually when you do that, the um, first intermission comes as they're starting the next game, so you could switch channels for the intermission. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm all over the Jets tomorrow. You, that is the best hockey bet I think you can make right now because they're probably not – it's probably pretty discounted for a home team. What minus the 135,
1: numbers? and they're the best team on, uh, at, on their home ice. Uh, that's cheaper than the Pittsburgh Penguins. Which one do you like better, the Pens or the Jets?
2: I like the Penguins. I'm with you, Mike. The reason that you guys are probably right is because I think the Predators are that much of a better team than Washington. I don't think it's necessarily between Pittsburgh and the Jets because the Jets are as good at home as anybody. But the Predators are better than the Caps. I could see the Predators playing one of those great road hockey games. Uh, If anybody can win in Winnipeg, in the West, it is probably Nashville. and they're riding the momentum. But I love the Jets. And regardless, I love the Jets at minus one thirty. Yeah, You're not laying
1: it, out too much juice. Even though the series result, I guess it kind of did one six games. The Avalanche, we kept saying they rolled with the Predators. Obviously, the Jets are a better team than the Avalanche, mm-hmm. so you got to every the way. Predators every coming way. in as the West favorites. Haven't looked as haven't looked like the West favorites, even though they're here in the second round, tied up.
2: And you know, it's crazy too. And maybe I'm putting too much into this. As Rick Nash just hits the post um, in the Western Conference, the four teams playing. Have four of the best hockey atmospheres you could have, whereas in the East, I'm not taking anything away from Boston, Tampa Bay, Washington, or Pittsburgh, but it's just not the same as what you get in Winnipeg. What you're getting in Nashville, you guys watch the game. You're getting the whiteout in Winnipeg. You're getting the fans and all their chants in Nashville with their great music, uh, their announcer that the fans love. They thank him every time he says there's one minute left. Uh, The Shark Bank is a fun place to watch games, and of course Vegas. We talked about that. We don't need to get into that, but the the four. Home ices in the Western Conference are just awesome places to watch games, and it comes over on the TV, and that's a really cool thing to see.
1: Yeah, you saw Jeremy Rorick the other day. He was one of the drummers for the Vegas Golden Knights. He was up there. He was decked out. He had the chest detector on, the glasses, banging the drum. Uh, Just awesome, man. You're right, Rob. Uh, And that makes it very difficult for one of those Eastern teams. When you do make the Stanley Cup Finals, you have to go over and play in one of those environments.
2: And it just makes it fun for you to watch on TV. And if you're a marginal hockey fan and you watch it, it kind of gets you excited, like that Tony X guy, you know, the, the guy that became a fan just watching one playoff game. Uh, this is the fun time of year. The atmospheres are great, and that's why we watch it, and that's why we talk about it. We're going to talk about it a lot more on Saturday morning, but uh, any real quick final thoughts from you guys?
1: Final thoughts from me, Eric Flowers is not worth a sixth or seventh-round draft pick. In <laughs> he was offered. <laughs> they he tried was, to. He was <laughs> and teams would not even give up a sixth or seventh-round uh, pick in any draft, year draft, of this guy. He sucks. Yeah, I have a couple fantasy pickups. We'll put those up on Twitter. We hit two out of three of our streamers of the day. As far as this game goes, we didn't touch on it, I think, and like Tampa the rest of the game.
2: I I like Tampa as a desperate team at home not to go down 2 nothing. but I really, really like this Bruins team. You guys know it. I'm have been on i I'm, I'm on this Bruins team, but I like Tampa to win this game. Uh, so thanks for listening. Thanks to Manish Meta for joining us. Thank you guys for joining in. Thanks to Glenn for calling as well. We'll be back Saturday morning at 1030 over the top sports radio, talking all sports with you guys. And we'll see you guys on Saturday morning. And Rob Manish did not charge us $600. <laughs> nope. Good night, everybody.
1: Good night, everybody.
2: K. Check out our
1: website at www.overthetopsportshow.com. Also, follow us on Twitter at OverTheTopSport, no S, and on Instagram at OverTheTopSportShow.